0: all welcome back to the confessions of a crappy christian podcast a place where you and all of your crap are not just welcome you're wanted i'm your host blake guichet and every week i'm showing up with a new friend to talk about the things we're really great at the ways christ fills in the gaps on the things that we're not and how he has been faithful to make his power perfect in our weaknesses. My hope is that you walk away feeling empowered and not alone in your struggles, and that people sharing their stories pushes you to share yours. All right, let's do this. All right, y'all, today's episode is with Jess Connolly. Jess is a wife, mom, writer, speaker, pastor. She kind of wears all the hats. And today we're talking about her new book, You Are the Girl for the Job which is encouraging women to step into the calling that God has put on their life and that God has them right where they want them. It's an incredible conversation about doubt and lies that the enemy tells us, the truth behind them, and we also go in on mommy culture for a little while. So it's a great episode. I can't wait for you to hear it. Jess, hey, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: My Joy, thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm so excited. So you, when we're recording, your new book comes out next week.
1: A week from today.
0: Oh my gosh. That yes. is crazy. It's it's yes. book launch week.
1: It is book launch week. It is, and that's how it
0: feels for sure. Yeah, and, and a lot of other things launch week as well (laughs) but we're gonna gonna talk you know we're gonna talk about the book it's fine (laughs) one thing at a time so your new book you are the girl for the job uh I have gotten to read the first three chapters of it and it's amazing as is Mm -hmm. Wild and Free and Dance and Run and all that kind of stuff so I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself for the people that don't know you and then tell us about your book that comes out I don't know when this episode comes out but (laughs) put <laughs> that's yes. out already <laughs> it's coming, yes,
1: or is out, um yeah, I'm Jess Connolly. I am a wife, and I have four kiddos. I live with my husband and my kids here in Charleston, South Carolina, where we planted a church almost six years ago, so our primary life is church planting. We do <clears throat> a lot of a lot of that, a lot of community, a lot of community building. A lot of leading and learning to lead and failing at leadership over and over again. And on the side, we also have two small businesses. One is Go and Tell Gals, where I coach women to use what they've been given for the good of others and the glory of God. And I also write books and travel to teach as part of that coaching. I kind of see all of it as the same same skill of coaching for me. And we also have a small business, All Good Things Collective, that we started nine years ago. That is actually now closing. So it's in just its final really beautiful season of, of running that. But so, yeah, we do a lot of a lot of kids, a lot of, lot of small business, a lot of church, wildlife. We also have a dog who's, you know, a big extrovert and needs a lot of our attention. So <laughs> <laughs> that's,
0: that's what good. life I mean, looks like. You know, if I have at this point, if I have four kids and two businesses and a church, like let's throw in a big wild dog.
1: Why not? It just feels like the thing to do. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So tell us about You Are the Girl for the Job.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's uh, talking about the book the last few weeks and being on podcasts, I've, I've, I always am kind of like, where do I start with this story? But um, the shortest place to start is I, this is my third trade book. So it's, um, I've published a few devotionals, but Um, a trade book is like what most people consider, you know, a book book
0: Mm -hmm.
1: with chapters and whatnot. And so, um, this is my third trade book. And my second trade book was called dance, stand, run, and it was a doozy to write. So dance, stand, run was not fun to write and it was super convicting to write. And if it wasn't fun to write, it was even harder to watch, (laughs) (laughs) And, um, I just found, you know, it was hard for me to write about sin and holiness and all of those things. And it was even harder for me to talk about them and to just launch them into the world. And so in the midst of all that, my husband was actually the one who one day was just like, Hey, you're the girl for the job. Like you're the girl for the job. And I was like, thanks, babe. And just kind of like rubbed it in and went on my way. Mm -hmm. And, I ended up writing that into Dance, Stand, Run because I thought, you know, if I don't feel like I'm the girl for the job to to write this book, I would imagine there are a lot of women who don't even feel equipped to read it, right? which is crazy. But I just, I knew a lot of women were really struggling with that. So I wrote maybe a paragraph about it in the book, posted something on social media around the time of the launch, just saying, you're the girl for the job. And I never thought about it again. And I Mm. I knew people responded well to like the post on Instagram, but I didn't really think about it again. And this third book that I was supposed to write, I had the contract out to write. I started praying about what it would be now about a year and a half ago. And it was supposed to be a book about friendship. That was what I felt like the book was going to be about. I thought it was going to be about essentially we have this, you know, beautiful divine friendship with God and that should help us be good friends to humans. Mm -hmm. And in the midst of beginning to write the book, what happened is I went through just a really heartbreaking season where a lot of my friendships just failed. Mm -hmm. And, um, not only that, but I mean, a lot of them, a lot of the failure felt on my part. It felt because of things I had done or not done or, I don't know, it was just this really heavy, heartbreaking season. And because we do church and small business and the the way our life was patterned, as the friendship failed, my, I felt like a failure as a leader. And I felt like, you know, I, I mean, with I, it's an interesting story to tell because I just I have to protect other people. But essentially to say, like, I just screwed up at a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And I did not feel like the girl for the job. Mm. And I was living in the midst of just a lot of pain that – um, I had been a part of causing and so, but uh, this whole time the publisher's like, so when's that book going to be done? About, <laughs> about that book about
0: friendship.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. So one day, I think it was probably three weeks from the time my, my book was officially supposed to be turned in. And, um, I went on a walk and I called my editor and I said, Hey, um, you know, it, we were like winding down for the summer. And I was like, I, I cannot write this book. I, I can't write it. I can't, I definitely can't write about friendship. And she said, well, I have an, I have an idea. And she said, I know that you coach women. I know that you like go through a certain process and certain steps that you coach women. And she said, I also know, you know, you use that phrase, you're the girl for the job. I wonder what it'd be like to just combine those things. And I was like, hmm, I never thought about that. I've used these steps to coach women in ministry and in business and in publishing, but I never thought about just applying life. Mm-hmm. And I decided to just kind of flesh it out and see if it would work. And the next morning I got up at 5 a.m. and started writing the book, and I did not stop every day for about three months. And what came out was this, you know, very honest, mm-hmm. <laughs> biblical study of what do we do essentially when we feel like we're not good enough Mm -hmm. and maybe like what do we do when like we're actually not good enough
0: right (laughs) like
1: (laughs) what happens when we actually have screwed up like can can we believe this it it was essentially me writing around the question for three months like are we the girls for the job Mm -hmm. are we Mm -hmm. what does god's word say about that and Um, and like using the steps that I use in coaching to flesh that idea out. So, um, up until the minute I finished the book, I was still kind of arguing with my editor. Like the book came very easily and it was very life giving to write, but I was still arguing with them around the title. You are the girl for the job because Mm. I just thought like, I'm not, I'm not, that's like a one sentence phrase when we had, there are so many more words that need to be said so, anyways, all that being said, it's a it's a book that I pray in Jesus' name will equip women to believe the truth that God has placed them where they're at on purpose for the good of others and the glory of God. And through that, we just walk through a million different questions, like, who are your people and what has God given you to use? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? How do you get vision? How do you hear from God? How do you push past fear, all of those mm-hmm. things?
0: Yeah, totally everything that every woman I feel like right now especially is like chasing after right like right. it's and I feel like a lot of us have this this innate knowledge like it's the spirit and us it's like you're the girl for the job like you really are and this book is the fleshed out I love that you use that like fleshed out black and white yeah that feeling that little like subconscious role in the back of your head that you've got that's like I think I'm the girl for the job is like no no you really are Yes, absolutely, and
1: we're not really sure why. And so it's essentially asking
0: a question like, "Why do we believe that?" Right. And a- and a lot of the answers for that as well. And I think what I love so much is that right out the gate, when you started talking about the book, when you like announced what the book was about and the title, your attitude about it has been very like, "This isn't like a cute, catchy saying." Right. hundred percent the truth that you need to overcome the lies that the enemy is never going to stop throwing at you because he doesn't want you to know that you're the girl for the job. Right. And I'm, I would imagine writing and, and birthing a book like that into the world. The enemy probably really hates that. (laughs) I don't think he likes
1: it. I'll tell you that. I don't think he likes it. I don't think he likes women taking their place. I don't think he likes women taking God seriously in their lives. But yeah, for sure, I, I've tr- probably you're right. Since the minute I shared the title, and I mean, we waited, we waited till late to share the title, just because I had so much trepidation about it.
0: Yeah,
1: um, I just had so much fear about, you know, more serious type women who take themselves very seriously, thinking like, oh, there's you know, guys, the God's the guy for the job, not us, uh-huh. which I, I 100% agree with, you know, um, but. The the truth is that we've got a generation of women feeling harassed by the enemy of their souls, and the reason why I know it's the enemy, I, I also feel like I have a lot of people asking me like why Why are you talking about the enemy so much? This is like a lot of fight language. This is a lot of like, <laughs> you know, talk about Satan. And the thing is, I mean, I there absolutely is an enemy of our souls who would rather we not take steps of obedience, not show up and do what God's asked us to do, not believe in God's capacity, and I think we've got to fight him.
0: Mm-hmm. I read not that long ago someone saying that uh thieves don't rob empty houses. Come on. And yes. I loved that. And actually I I'm super vocal on my platform about being in consistent counseling and yeah. was really struggling in a in a uh What are they called? What are... Appointment.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Appointment. A
0: therapy session. And I was, like, beating myself up that I was struggling so much. And she was like, do you think that people who aren't tools for the kingdom struggle with attack like this? Right. And I was like... She was like, I don't know. Maybe they do. But I know that his... That the enemies... One of his greatest accomplishments is when he incapacitates women for the kingdom.
1: 100%. And the thing is like right, I mean I, I feel this way too where I'm like, man, look at all these people who have like nice houses and tidy lives. I like I'll I'll pick somebody in my mind that I know that I'm like, I bet you literally like never fight with your husband. <laughs> like I bet you don't have bad dreams. And I and I have to think like, right, well because if we if, if we take the bait and build a really tidy wealthy shiny lives for ourselves like we are not a threat if our kind whole of life is about our comfort yeah it's like he don't even need to mess with us right you know so 100 percent, i yeah. agree
0: and i love that that's that is basically what this is about is you're the girl for the job even when right the the whisper of satan gets in your ear and tells you your house isn't clean enough Right. How can you right. be the girl for the job when your floors look like that? How can you be the girl for the job? Like on the other end of that, it's like, how can you be the girl for the job when your sin looks like this?
1: Right. 100%. You know, and yeah.
0: I love, but I love that you have come to the table and been like, look, you can think it's weird all day, but this is a war. Like this is a battle. Right. And we've got to, we've got to step up to the plate and th- this is a tool to equip us to do that. Um what has launching this book been like in that sense i know that you've you've talked openly about having moments of like my platform isn't big enough or mm-hmm. i think didn't you say that someone actually like, sure. said that
1: yeah i mean which i, I sh- i'm glad you brought up because you know, when you when I say that, I mean I, I immediately got back a ton of messages like, Abel, hey, well, who would say that? And also like you have a like a platform like which which I totally agree. Like, I mean also I pray I'd be faithful to launch this book if I had 10 followers on Instagram. Exactly. But yeah, well where that comes from is like professionals in the industry that right. you know, they just say like well, to be honest, like your newsletters, your subscribers, not you don't have that many. Or like, you know, when they kind of start to ask, like, who are your friends? Like, who are your, like, who's your tribe? Connection. Who can you call that will like help you? And I'm like you know what? Like my best friends, like they don't do this kind of business. Yes. (laughs) Like And they're my pals and I like run with them
0: and I can ask them to pray for the lunch. Yes. And I'm
1: glad that's the way I want it. You know, I want my soul to be known by people who live in my city, who can come over to my house, who, who I can call when like all, all hell breaks loose, you know? And so, yeah, absolutely. So how it's been launching it, to answer your question, is I will say it has been wildly life-giving. And I think some of it is just God's grace, like you just learned from a few launches. Right. And um, I'm able, I feel like I'm able to appreciate God doing work in women's lives so much more than I could before. Mm-hmm. So I just, every single time... <sighs> I'm gonna cry talking about it. Every single time somebody posts about the book and says, like, you know, this has shifted my heart. I just feel like for years I was not jaded, but just, um, I don't know, maybe like immune to just letting letting God let that rub in my heart. And so I'm I'm like tearing up thinking about this girl posting yesterday. Uh, I was sitting in my office with my husband and my daughter and I was just watching this woman's in the of stories. And I just
0: like started sobbing and then I yeah. stood up and I was like, Oh my God.
1: <laughs> um, so I think I'm, I'm just better able to like receive that and to be grateful. I think when that happens, you just have to say like, thank you, God, I can't believe you let me write this book. I can't believe you let me be the one to like get to, to say this message with women to share it with them. And so I have a lot more gratitude, and it's a lot more life giving than it's been in past launches. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, you know, I think I've I also have learned from enough launches to know what's coming and mm-hmm. so even today to my ministry partner Anna this morning getting ready for the day I said like I'm gonna have to watch my heart because the corrections are already like coming in um I was telling her I got like a long DM last night of kind of correcting me for using the word girl in the title of the book and I just thought I just I, I just I actually woke up to it this morning and I just thought man, I'm just trying to serve people. <laughs> like, what the try- heck, man? Like, it's- <laughs> just trying, you know, and so that's going to happen more and more and more over the next few weeks. And as the book comes out and there will be, I mean, you know, there typically usually are like women who write blog posts saying like why it was wrong, or why my theology was wrong. Or, um, and so I also, I think I'm a, I'm a lot more expectant and hopeful for what God can do. And I'm a lot more aware of like the craziness of man in the midst of it but um overall watching the book has been incredibly life giving
0: good i'm so glad i know yeah. P- uh, people on the internet are kind of the worst sometimes how are they the worst and the best
1: i it, they're the worst and the best they're they 100% are. and i mean i i just i would like to do a case study all i all i want to know is like what ever makes anyone feel like they can correct someone on the internet. I just, it's like not, I, I understand correcting people and I understand having hard conversations and I understand going to your friends and saying like, Hey, I need to talk to you about this thing. You're just not agreeing with who God made you to be. You kind of missed the mark on this thing. I love you enough to tell you. And, and I, not
0: strangers on the internet, but not strangers <laughs> on the internet. I
1: just because if I did that to other women, it would be abusive. Like, absolutely they'd write articles about me. If if I started sneaking into girls' DMs and being like just FYI that thing you said that was not biblically correct. <laughs> like it would it would be abusive. You know, we would call that like leader abuse. And so right.
0: um but the same just, doesn't anyways. go for no. the other side, which is super yeah. interesting. I mean, I yep. my platform is significantly smaller than yours, which doesn't matter, but I I mean those of us that are hanging out in, like, the 10,000 range are still getting 100%. messages that we're, and, like, you know, there's, you know, you always, like, I've met because people on the internet are also the best, you know, I've yes. made this, like, crew of women that we're all just trying to further the kingdom together, and sometimes we just send them to each other, like, what? What? Like, yeah. what just happened? <laughs> but anyway, uh, you were talking about how it it hits you now the impact that your words are having, and I have to say that having read the first few chapters, it impacted me so deeply when you talked about motherhood, which I was, Mm. was totally out of left field for me. Like I came to the book, like, yes, remind me how I am the girl for the job that God has called me into ministry and into leadership. Like, let's go. And then you started talking about motherhood. (laughs) I was like, oh, wait, crap. I am the girl for that job too. You know? Yeah. And there was a section actually pulled the quote. It said, and what made her motherhood so life-giving to watch was this one thing. She believed she was the girl for the job. It wasn't because she was spinning her wheels, trying to be the best. It was because she was resting on his strength and just shining where he placed her. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, full body chills.
1: (laughs) You know, it's funny. I feel like people every once in a while will say... You should write a you should write a book on motherhood, and I'm like, oh, you should come to my house because you wouldn't say that.
0: <laughs> no. if you I mean, people like, will DM me and be like, you don't really talk about motherhood a whole lot. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: same, yeah, same. There's a reason for that. Like, we do, we don't we don't know how this is gonna turn out. You know what I'm saying? That's why I'm always I'm like, come back and see my kids in fifteen twenty years. Um, you know, we're we're making it up as we go. Right. So. But it's interesting that this book actually randomly throughout the book, motherhood has referenced a good amount. And the reason why is it's one of the hardest parts of my life. Yep. And so when I wanted to be vulnerable and say like, hey, you're struggling, I'm struggling too. I'll go first. I'll give you specific examples. Um, you know, you've only read the first three chapters somewhere around chapter four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, somewhere around chapter seven seven or eight, I recall, recall the story of the first time cussing when I'm cussing at one of my kids that happened in the midst of writing this book. It, it was like in the, like a day I was writing the book and I accidentally cussed at one of my kids, you know, to their face, yeah. um, calling them like directed at them. <laughs> um, and so it ends up, you know, I end up referencing motherhood a lot more than I for surely have in any of my other books just because it's an honest and weak place for me. But yeah, exactly what you said is the number one lesson I've learned in the midst of writing the book, specifically as it pertains to motherhood, but it's where God's fleshed out the most of my life. Um, At the, at the front of the book, there's this quote from Madeline Lingle that I read in the midst of writing the book. And she says, yeah, I knew the moment I started worrying about whether or not I was good enough for the job. I wouldn't be able to do it. Mm. And something shifted deep in my soul in the midst of writing you are the girl for the job where I kind of stopped fighting God about my ability to do it. And what happened is I started enjoying it. Mm. And when I stopped kind of saying like, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at this. And started saying like, you put me here. This was your plan. (laughs) You picked off four of these children. It got fun. Yeah. It got enjoyable. Right. And truly, I mean, what happened truly in my life over the course of writing that that book last summer is that my kids became my absolute best friends. Mm. And that's I know that's like weird motherhood language. We're not supposed to be their friends. And I'm for sure I'm their mom first. I don't even know that I'm their friend. Like I'm still their mom. <laughs> <laughs> but they're my friends. Yes. And I enjoy being around them. Oh, my gosh. And they're just really good markers of god's grace yes and i think a lot of that has to do with that i just stopped worrying about whether or not i was good enough to do it
0: yes well and there's not a whole lot of cheerleading going on in the motherhood arena right there's yeah. a lot of you of and right. like the business build your dreams build your platform there's a lot of cheerleading happening there you're right but reading that chunk about that she believed she was this mother that you're talking about a friend whose motherhood yes. was kind of like intoxicating to watch yes and that it was that way because she knew she believed she was good at it and that yeah you yourself have experienced kind of that that switch that flip switching and that it it's not <laughs> that that your answer to that isn't I started enjoying and thriving in motherhood because I started making all organic meals and had them on a schedule and, you know, got up an hour before them every morning and had a quiet, like, no, I just believed that God put me where he put me and he put them where he put them and I trusted him Yeah. to do it. (laughs) Right. And it got a little more
1: fun for sure. Absolutely. And I think
0: that that's, I hope that like the mothers that are listening, that that's really life-giving. that. I think we have a lot of lists and maybe this will fix it being shoved down our throat. Um, yeah. When in reality, all God wants us to do is to trust him that, that he's got this, <laughs> that he knows it, what he's doing.
1: It's interesting, like something you just hit on, which I've, I've never even thought about this and, I, and I, I write about it indirectly in the book. But a, even a really direct thing to say is there aren't, there's not a lot of cheerleading in the motherhood community. There's a lot of, like, one-upping and correcting and, like, you should do it this way. Or there is this very laissez-faire version of freedom that is that is distorted that's, like, I'm the worst or, like, you know, mom. hot mess mom. Like, is it wine o'clock yet? Right. Which oh. I don't know if you've noticed, but even – Even now, like, secular voices are kind of calling that out. They're kind of calling that, like, and they're saying, like, I I think about, um, what is her name? Busy Phillips. Yeah. She is, you know, a famous actress that I know of, not a believer. She doesn't talk about God in in that way, shape, or form. And she came out against the, like, mommy wine culture and said, like, hey, why do we need wine to enjoy our kids? So it's interesting how there's not this – there's not – life-giving encouragement there's just kind of like one-upmanship pokey kind of teaching you, you could like be better you could be better like I just I would just like to know like why did you turn around that car seat so early like I wish people do could you know- see your
0: face right now because it's like the exact <laughs> face that women make when they ask <laughs> that question you. it's <laughs> what
1: they do I was talking to a friend the other day that told me she got a just like a a DM about something about car seats or something, and I was like, "Oh, rule number one of being a mom on Instagram is Don't you post never your kid. <laughs> you never post a picture of your kids in the car." Like, no. never, ever. That chest
0: clip is for sure not high enough. <laughs> like, it I mean, it could is. just be up
1: to their chin and it wouldn't be high <laughs> enough. I'm like, you don't post a picture of them in the bathtub. You don't post a picture of them in the car. Nope. I, don't, I try not to post. I don't. I barely post any pictures of my kids at all just because now they're all old enough to consent and they don't. Right. Right? They're like, no, we don't, don't want that picture you. taken or posted. Um, but, like, you can't picture. You can't. Like, they can't be playing. Forget what kind of. Whatever. It's just all the things. But so. <laughs> But yeah, it's like the the other side of that striving society is not like laissez-faire, greasy freedom. Mm-mm. It's actually truth. It's actually Mm-mm. like God's enough. Mm-hmm. You you can try again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You actually may have screwed up. Like you may have just <laughs> messed your kids up right there. Put <laughs> some money in savings for counseling, pray for redemption 100%. and try again tomorrow. <laughs>
0: That this is hard work, but it's holy work.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. It's
0: not. It's not gonna always be super easy. Hopefully, maybe there are easy days. Mine are two and four. So yeah. like we're in the trenches. But you know, I agree, and I think that maybe hopefully our generation can learn to swing back to the middle of the pendulum.
1: Yeah, yeah. To
0: to step away from needing to pick one another apart, and and real in reality, I think that that. Pickiness, that oppressiveness is one more expression of women not believing that they're the the girl for the job right if 100%. i'm having to pick apart your motherhood it's because i'm not secure in mine
1: right a hundred percent and like lord have mercy this is from i think matthew 28 25 matthew 25 there's this passage where Jesus says, woe to you Pharisees who put burdens on people that you can't carry yourselves, that you Mm -hmm. couldn't even carry yourself. Like, woe to you. Um, I'm going to tell you what, not only do I feel like I have to extend freedom for, for women because like it might trip me up one day, but I think another huge reason that I see women like, or that I think, you know what, we should really extend freedom to other women is because you don't even know if like a future you or past you really needed that. I hear women talk about their past selves all the time with such, such discouraging language. Like, Oh, I was an idiot back then. You know, I was just so young and naive or like, I didn't know or blah, 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 whatever it is. Like I used to eat non-organic or I used to do (laughs) X, Y, and Z, or I just never knew. Um, and they're, they're so, Hard on their past selves. And I'm like, listen, I want to love my past self. Like, she was trying. Like, you know what? She might have given her kids, like, when I truly, when I was a young mom, like, I, when I, in Jesus' name, pray, I am still a young mom, but when my kids were young, <laughs> you <laughs> I are. mean, we did, my kids had like fruit snacks with yellow number five in them every single day. Mm-hmm. I did not know better. Organic food. 10 years ago was not what it is now. Right. And I wasn't in a culture that said like, why don't you just give them a banana? Everybody else's kids had fruit snacks. Everybody else's kid had like, you know, baby food out of a plastic container. Right. I wasn't thinking about carcinogens. I was just trying to feed my kids and I don't look at myself with shame. I'm like, girl, you were trying, you had three kids under three. You were doing the best you could. Like, absolutely. and, And were there things that needed to grow and shift? Absolutely. But so anyways, just a little random diatribe on not only should we give freedom to other women because they just like, who are we to, to try to take away what God's given so graciously, but also because our future and past selves really might just need that voice of freedom.
0: Most likely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Most likely. Yes, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, so to close out our interviews, we do like little rapid fire questions. Yes. Um, which so the first one is what's your enneagram type?
1: Eight. You yes. know, same. The is eight. The 80s, eights. The 80s I, eights. But honestly, I don't know if I really am the 80s eight. I, some you know, I have several people in my life who think I'm a six, um, which is interesting. Um, and there's I a have lot of characteristics. A
0: lot of six. Do I have you? A lot of six tendencies.
1: Yeah. yeah, I actually took a new Enneagram test the other day um, from Your Enneagram Coach by Beth yeah. McCord, and I, I was just curious. I was like, I, and I made my husband answer the questions with me so I didn't like shade it towards what I thought, mm-hmm. and I tested off-the-chart sevens as yeah. a seven. So I always knew my wing was a seven, yeah. but this was like off-the-chart I tested as a seven, which was interesting.
0: interesting. I have yeah. a real strong seven wing. Like, yeah, real strong. Like, okay, sister, we got to stop like squirreling all over the place and like focusing. Yeah. Uh, the second one is what is something that can always pull you out of a funk? Ooh, a dance party. Yep. Yep. Good old dance party. Yep. And the last one is what are you watching on TV right now?
1: Um, I have a weird thing about my life, and that is that I watch one TV show for years at a time.
0: Uh huh.
1: And um, uh, it was. It was Gilmore Girls for about two years and then it was Grey's Anatomy for two years and right now it's West Wing and I'm going on like a solid six months of watching only the West Wing.
0: Do you just cycle through? I
1: just watch it over and over again.
0: Are you watching it? Do you watch it in order? Or do I you do just... watch it
1: in order. Okay. No, I totally yeah. watch it in order.
0: Yeah. And
1: I watch it almost every single day like while I'm falling asleep or yeah. getting ready um, and – maybe like 20 minutes a day and I love it so much.
0: Yeah. I do that with Seinfeld. I've pretty much been watching Seinfeld yeah. for probably 20 years.
1: <laughs> yes. My husband and I used to watch a, an episode of Seinfeld and then Frasier every single night before bed for years.
0: Yep. 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 Jess, thank you so much. Thank you oh. so much for taking the time. I know that you're, especially today, like you're literally have like launch stuff launching today. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat and share your wisdom.
1: Literally my joy. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you can find the show notes and more information about the show at confessionsofacrappychristian.com. I'll see y'all next week. You kind of like this guy, but when you can't decide between the filet fish <laughs> um, or the Big Mac, and he says... I'll get you both. Thank you. You definitely <laughs> yeah, like this it. guy meal. Get it at McDonald's when you get two of your faves for just six bucks. Limited
1: time only. Prices and participation may vary. Single item regular price.
0: Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat>